Welcome to Vicious Talk with Benny P. I'm your host, Ben Perez, bringing back my good friend and co-host, Connor Larson. Welcome back, buddy. Hey, what's popping, Benny? All right, Connor. It's Saturday morning, November 6th. We're under the gun here. Week nine is tomorrow. We want to get this podcast uh, out for our listeners to get their final um, you know, thoughts on our preview for the upcoming week. We're going to give a little bit of analysis for what we've seen this uh, over the last you know, seven days or so since our last pod. And um, we're going to take it from there. We're going to do our usual segments as well, previewing the upcoming slate of games, DFS lineups, et cetera, et cetera. Sound good, buddy? Hell yeah, dude. I can't wait to get into it. All right, man. Let's kick it off. Vicious players of the week. We're going to go with, you know, our favorite players of the week, guys who have performed well and, um, you know, the guys who have, you know, left it all out on the field, had nothing left at the end of the day, looked at themselves, looked at themselves in the mirror at the end of the day, like we say at the end of every podcast. I ask you, you know, are you vicious? These are the players that were vicious over the last couple of weeks. Connor, who are you guys or our guy um, over the last week that have been vicious? Yeah, you said it right the first time. It's a group of guys. It's the backup quarterbacks. I mean, how fun was that last week uh, with, you know, guys like Mike White, Trevor Simeon, Cooper Rush, even PJ Walker getting into the mix and coming up with big wins for their teams. Mike White led the league in passing yards, 405. And did you see uh, somebody cashed in on 125 to one bet? They put $1,000 on Mike White to lead the league in passing yards and he netted 125 K. <laughs> oh my God. I did not see that. That was That's a wild. real ticket that printed. That's wild. And so going into uh, Monday night, they, they posted that. Uh, and then, you know, it was just, uh, was it Patrick Mahomes left in Daniel Jones? And so the guy was just like, as long as this doesn't become a shootout, I'm going to win 125 K. And then yeah. needless to say, we got there. That is incredible. Really cool. So backup QBs definitely, definitely were the vicious player of the week for that person. Very worthy candidate. It was a story of the backup QBs in week eight for the NFL. Crazy stuff with, you know, not just Mike White's Trevor Simeon, um, Cooper Rush got the win for Dallas. Um, there were the Cooper Rush, Rush one hurt because I benched Amari Cooper. <laughs> and then just to watch got the, the Cooper, Cooper touchdown. touchdown to win the game. And he, of course, Amari Cooper was like a top, top five wide receiver during the week. Yeah, that was yeah. awesome. That's a tough loss for you, buddy. All right. Honorable mention here for me, Atlanta Braves, obviously won the World Series. Congratulations to the Braves and the city of Atlanta. Um, pretty fun World Series win for them. Um, really cool to see how they've celebrated and embraced the title and team. Um, I've had my gripes about, you know, the way that they, the fan base has like been continuing to embrace that chop cheer over the last, um, you know, month or two. But, you know, whether or not I agree with that, I mean, the team on the field was excellent this season. Good for them. And uh, uh, congratulations to them. And things just kind of broke right for, for the Braves this year. All right, my my vicious player of the week, though, I got to go with Paul George with my Los Angeles Clippers. I know the Clippers are off to a little bit of a slow start, but Paul George, in my book, is one of the front runners for MVP right now. He has he has four 30-point games already. Last night culminated in him scoring 32 points, 11 of 18 shooting, shot a season-high 61.5% from the field. He's got – he had uh, – you know, he, it took just seven games – this year so far for him to score four 30 point games. That's the fastest time. That's the fastest race ever had in his career. Um, the other mark was in 2018, 19 season. He, he took on 15 games to get four 30 point careers. The guy's off to a career best start of the season. He led them in the Clippers earlier this week. You're starting to turn it around a little bit. They had were down 20 to the Oklahoma city thunder. He comes back and, um, 
you know, leads the way to a 20-point victory, swings it the complete opposite direction in that game in the final two minutes, leading that that big comeback for them. Final two minutes of the game, three-pointer, rebound, three-pointer, block, assist, two-pointer, steal, rebound. I mean, the guy's been doing it on both ends of the floor. I think he's like first in pass deflections on defense. He's He's been killing it for them, and he's been their whole team. And the, the Clippers, I mean, I, their supporting cast has always been the question. And, you know, the guys like Nicholas Patu, Marcus Morris, Reggie Jackson, even Eric Bledsoe now, like these guys are – pretty up and down players and I think it's going to be the nature of their season this year um, especially with no Kawhi Leonard for at least the majority of the year um, but I'm still optimistic about the clips um, I'm going to see my first game um, next weekend I'm going to the to, I'm driving out to Los Angeles going to catch my first my first Clippers game of the season and uh, they faced Minnesota last night they're going to face Minnesota again in the game I'm going to, I'm going to catch next week on Saturday so looking forward to that but gotta definitely give my boy Paul George PG MVP MVPG is is what they're saying right now with Paul George. He's been awesome, leading the league in points scored. Um, off to a great start. He's been he's been awesome. It's really been a momentum continuation from the playoffs. He was great when Kawhi went down. Even before Kawhi went down, he was awesome in the playoffs last year. It's rolled into the early early going here in the new NBA season. He's you know right there with like Giannis and Curry. Um, you know, in my book for MVP right now. So got to give him his flowers. Yeah. You know, I, I like that, you know, PG 13 is going to have to change his nickname to R rated because he's playing straight up vicious <laughs> out there killing these other teams. I like Absolutely. it. Man. I like it. All right, Connor, let's swing it the other direction. Um, you know, you're killing me smalls. You're killing me smalls. Our segment where we talk about players who have been killing us on the week, uh, ones who have uh, really been disappointing us in a lot of different ways. And I, I hate to continue to, to, you know, keep the, the name of this segment for the nature of the first guy that we got to mention here. And we don't want to dive in too deep, but obviously you got to kick this one off with, you know, Henry Ruggs and, and what happened with him. Really just a tragic story. Or really, you, you, there's nothing that we could say that hasn't been said already in terms of just really gut-wrenching feeling for the family of the the young lady who he ended up killing in the car crash and really horrendous story. And you also, I mean, part of it is, you know, Henry Rugg has made a terrible, terrible mistake. And you just, uh, you hope that he's going to be all right mentally um, because, you know, something like that, his whole career is probably gone now. He's probably not coming back to the NFL he could face upwards of like 40 years in jail if he gets convicted of everything that he's being charged for. It's um, it's pretty sad to see what's happened. And um, you just hope that uh, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know how to see the, the silver lining here because really just someone someone lost their life at 23 years old. The dog passed away. Henry Ruggs lost his career, bright career that he was kind of coming into his own. So really gut-wrenching story that we had to kick i mean there's no really other aside from this there's really no other um story that fits this segment more than this one yeah i think it's just uh one of those where you kind of sit back and reflect and you know you hope a lot of people learn from this type of mistake and doesn't happen to them being out at 3 a.m drinking and driving, driving 156 miles per hour just because you have a fast sports car and you think you're having a good time, but there are serious consequences for your actions. And, you know, you, you hope that Henry Ruggs can look within himself and, you know, re- rehabilitate and, and 
come through this. You hope the families that are affected by this tragic death can, you know, get over it as well. And I hope, you know, everybody takes a chance to look at this and reevaluate and, and just think, you know, be thankful for life every day and, you know, we've got to live it the right way. Definitely. I feel bad for this whole situation. Definitely. It's, it's, uh, it's a tough subject. All right. Let's just, you know, no real way to move on, but we're going to, we're going to talk about Aaron Rodgers as you're, you're killing me, small players. Rodgers line about the immunization thing, the, the semantics of his talk. And he tried to justify it on um, the Pat McAfee show saying like, I was uh, in a situation where cancel culture was coming after guys who weren't vaccinated. And that's why I said immunized to try to, it's like, dude, you're an asshole. You're a narcissist. You're an asshole. You've been doing all of these. Um, you've been doing all these terrible things over the last, you know, eight weeks where guys who are unvaccinated have to oblige to stricter protocols for masks and various, you know, social distancing things and not being able to go out to events and parties of like 15 or more people. And he, he just didn't give a care. He didn't care. He didn't care. He, you know, he, he, he was, it was pretty bad. Look how he was all over social media with the John Wick costume on Halloween. You wonder if he picked it up at the team party he was at. Um, really just a bad look for, one of the one of the more prevalent players in the NFL's league, league right now. I'm interested to see what Roger Goodell does and the NFL does in reaction to it because, I mean, in my point of view, the, the fact that Tom Brady got suspended four games for deflating a few footballs, at, I mean, and arguably deflated a few footballs, is a lesser offense to what he's done over the last eight weeks, in my opinion. I mean, the guy the guy's been making a mockery of the rules and regulations that every other player in the NFL has had to oblige by. Um, and mm-hmm. it's a bad look for him and it's a bad look for the Packers. Yeah. I mean, when you're lying about your medical status, that that's obviously just something that's not okay because you're risking other people's health and exactly. well-being as well. So in comparison to deflating footballs, I understand your point of view. Um, but I don't think that, you know, Aaron Rodgers necessarily cheated in game. So I, I don't know if the punishments are going to be uh, correlationary there. It sounds just like he's going to get moved into the unvaccinated player protocols and probably move on from there. Maybe. Do you think there's a fine or something? I think, game time I think, miss other than I think this? he needs to be suspended for at least a game or two, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I think, I think he needs, and I think the Packers need to find him for, as a team, um, need to find him significantly, but I don't know. We'll yeah. see it's it's not a good look it's a tumultuous situation already the relationship between the packers and aaron Rodgers. it's it's a tough one to navigate so it's gonna be interesting to watch how this this year you might as well just piss on him we get some more money back i mean do you just go with if love plays well do you just go with love the rest of the season and say you know screw off aaron Rodgers? a good a very good love performance for that to be the case but we'll see uh, I might be streaming him this week because I'm without Tom Brady. I'm by, so I'm actually hoping for that. Yeah, we'll see. Um, any other you're killing me, Smalls guys? You want to talk about? Oh yeah, just you know, a couple of the largest personalities in the, in, the, in the league over the past few years. Another guy just being a loud mouth, and that's OBJ. You, you feel for him in the situation. Baker's not been a good quarterback, and now the team has decided to part ways. His, his father coming out with a tape, um, you know, just discussing how inaccurate 
uh, Baker Mayfield has been and complaining about the team situation. Uh, you know, LeBron with the free OBJ tweet and well, they got their wish. He's, he's on the waiver wire market. So, you know, he, that's yeah. obviously been a huge team distraction for uh, the Browns who had Super Bowl intentions coming into this year. Um, so that's kind of a situation where you, a player turned on their quarterback and it, it, you know, a lot's coming out in the news. It's hard to figure out what's real, what's fat, uh, what's fake, but a lot of things saying he, not, he this year he kind of checked out. He wasn't necessarily the best teammate. You know, so it, it's going to be interesting to see how this whole shakes up, but it, it does leave one of the most talented players on the free agency market ready to be snapped up. Yep. Yep. It's a, it's been this, the, the, this, the drama, the, another dramatic storyline for the Browns. Um, kind of crazy to see how far he's fallen OBJ. Cause he was one of the fan favorites in New York for a while. Really back a, to the Giants, a situation. Odell, come back. Come a really, home. a really poorly handled situation from honestly both sides of the coin there. Um, but OBJ really backed the Browns into a corner that was difficult to defend. Um, but I don't know. We'll see how he plays out. It'd be cool to see him go to a team where he thrives more as a pass catcher, utilize that talent that he's always had. So I don't know. We'll see. One of the favorites is the guy we were just talking about joining the Green Bay Packers. Yeah. Him and Rodgers would be an interesting combination alongside Devontae Adams. That would open up that offense pretty pretty big. Um, all right. The last you're killing me, Smalls. My best bets and my player wrecks from last week. Horrendous. Horrendous handicapping from your boy. Um, I put the leg work in for a, a few of my favorite my favorite picks and my uh, my best bets for this week. And I'm going to try to bounce back hard. Um, you know, really got killed by the Cincinnati Bengals. Had a lot of my bets and stuff kind of hinging on the Bengals last week, at least winning the game. I had them teased mm-hmm. down to minus two and a few things. And uh, <laughs> the Jets beating them was killer. Mike White, white hot. And, you know, I handicapped the game correctly in terms of the Bengals offense. Um, and who in a million years would have figured Mike White would have done what he did? Honestly, one of the most surprising performances in NFL's history, almost. I mean, really, just one of the – if. I don't know how many more performances you could expect what would be more surprising than what Mike White did on Sunday last week against the Bengals. Pretty pretty yeah. incredible stuff. He's become like a... But Ben, the other side of the coin is you might not have hit in those player X, but the player X in your DraftKings lineup were on point because we could have easily had the Colts offense as the vicious player of the week. Yeah. Jonathan Taylor, Michael Pittman, even Carson Wentz went off, carried both of our fantasy teams or DFS lineups, I should say, into cashing. So there's always that. Okay. Other side of the coin. Thanks. Thanks for the silver lining, buddy. You're always, you've always got, got you, my brother. All right, Connor. Let's move on to Power Rankings, Biggest Movers and Shakers. Connor and I are doing our weekly ATA Power Rankings, keeping those updated on the website. We have uh, we want to highlight here on the pod some of the biggest movers of the week based on last week's performances, kind of how we're evaluating them um, as the season has progressed. Connor, you want, to, you want to kick this one off? Who are some teams you want to highlight first in terms of uh, guys that have moved up and up or down the Power Rankings for all things analysis this week? Yeah, it seems like the uh, the New England Patriots are moving and shaking up our uh, power rankings. Uh, you know, a little bit of a homer pick for you. What, what are you? Uh, <laughs> how, how are you defending this huge jump into the top ten? Um, ultimately, it came down to the Patriots have been the, one of the more consistent teams in the NFL this year. They really were um, on the verge of victory with the Dolphins in Week One. If Damian Harris didn't fumble that football, honestly. It, it was like a sure thing. Was, I think they had like a 95% win percentage, win, win likelihood, win share at, at, before you fumble the football. So really a, a major swing there. They were right there with Dallas when it took them to overtime. Uh, 
They beat the Chargers last week. Finally, they, they beat a team that a lot of people consider well above average. So that you know, they no longer can say you know they only beat the Dolphins and, and um, the Jets and or they didn't beat the Dolphins, the Jets and the and the Texans. Those were the first three wins. Um, and wow. so now they have a, a win they can hang their hat on. Mac Jones has improved week in week out. The defense has been consistent. The running game is there. Damian Harris is one of PFF's top graded running backs on the season. He's been awesome for them. The offensive line has been getting healthier. They've been getting better. Mac Jones, what I really like about him is he's stretching the field downfield. They're opening up the playbook. He was initially, I think, the first four four or five weeks, he was one of the NFL's worst deep ball throwers in the NFL, and it was really kind of lack of volume and lack of ex- execution when they were doing it. Now he's like a top five deep ball thrower in the NFL this year. So he's swung it pretty far the other way. He's been getting a lot of success downfield, and they're stretching the football field, open it up for him, and they're starting to let him take more responsibility on it. He's handled it well. We evaluate the Patriots like a team that doesn't have a rookie quarterback, despite the fact that they do. Mac Jones has Mm -hmm. been easily the top-ranked player out of the last draft class, aside from maybe Jamar Chase. Um, Right, Jamar Chase. Yeah, so Mac Jones... I think that he's he's making Kyle Shanahan sick to his stomach. The San Francisco 49ers basically and Twitter basically convinced Kyle Shanahan he was wrong when he traded up for what was it like six spots to get Mac Jones. And that's what everybody was reporting. And then he, Twitter and probably, you know, San Francisco executives at the top of the ownership and stuff probably convinced Shanahan to go with Lance. And that seems to be what the story was. And maybe probably were like he Mac Jones seems like a younger Jimmy I can't Garoppolo. Imagine, I can't imagine how pissed off Shanahan it must be about it. Mm-hmm. I mean, seeing Mac Jones doing what he's doing in his rookie year with the Patriots, I think Shanahan would have been able to get a decent amount uh, or a comparative performance out of Jones if he was in San Francisco. Oh yeah. So I mean, think about the weapons in San Francisco and, and the season Debo's having, and yeah, you know, if, if Mac was there too, that that could have been a nice combo. Yeah. Yep. So Patriots and it. The other thing is like, you know, when you look at the teams that I had them over, it just kind of comes down to, yeah, the ceiling might be higher for a lot of these teams, but the Patriots just seem to have a a more consistent floor, a higher floor, maybe a lower ceiling, but a higher floor. And going forward the rest of the way, they have five wins right now. Or they're four and four. Sorry, four and four. I have the over on their eight and a half win total. And I have have a pretty good feeling that, uh, you know, they're going to get there because, you know, I think nine or 10 wins gets them into the playoffs. And it's looking like they're trending that direction. These teams that they're ahead of that in my power rankings, you know, I had them ahead of the Chiefs, the Bengals, the Browns, the Titans, the Saints. Um, And those, while on the surface might seem like good teams, the Chiefs have been incredibly disappointed in a lot of different ways this year. The story on them has been well covered in the media um, and their struggles. The Bengals just lost to the Jets last week, and their defense is looking was looking a little bit more vulnerable. They're now 13th in DVOA, so they're not that monster juggernaut that we thought they might be. Um, I mean, Joe Burrow, it, last year, the, the calling card with him was the passing volume. He's now 22nd in pass rate, so they're relying heavily on the run there. It's it's been a little bit up and down season with the Bengals, less much less consistent than the Patriots, um, and then the Browns with this OBJ debacle, Baker Mayfield being like a, a bottom third quarterback in the league right now. It's kind of been up and down with them. The Titans just lost their number one player on their team, Derrick Henry. That so much revolved around him, probably one of the more important players in the league to their team and what they do as as an offense. 
Um, that's a big loss for them. I had to drop them at least a, a couple spots in my power rankings because of that. The Saints just lost James Winston. They're going to go with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. I don't know if I like that at all. He looked pretty – I know – he looked, you know, dependable at times last week against the Bucks. I think a lot of that was kind of the unexpectedness of that game. Um, he was making a lot of bad throws on the back on his back foot. PFF graded him like in the 30s in his passer grading. The, the advanced stats kind of show Simeon wasn't quite as impressive as we might think last week. So I think the Patriots just have the highest floor of that bunch, and they've been playing really well this season. I like them. At, I have them at my nine spot on the season. Yeah, I'm not far off. I moved him up a few spots myself. I haven't, uh, I think at 12th overall. I'm just not fully ready to put put everything uh, there on a rookie quarterback at this point in the season and have them in my top 10. You're definitely right. They have looked better in the past couple of weeks, but still four and four on the season. You know, he's he's still not fully reliable. Some, some bad throws here or there, but definitely looking better. Um, probably a team that I'm, less likely to move up quickly just because uh my fandom and, and history with the Patriots as well. <laughs> it takes, it takes so. some convincing for you. Um, yeah. All right, Connors. The biggest drop we saw from um a team this week was the Titans. And is, is can we just agree that's just that's gotta be Derrick Henry, you know Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry. Probably uh, should drop further to be honest, knowing Derrick Henry's impact on that offense. It, and there is there is a, a version of this that maybe they become a more efficient offense because Derrick Henry you know, he was getting like 28 carries a game. And, you know, if, if, you know, in general, in the NFL team offenses are more efficient when they throw the football. So, you know, if, if, if 33% of those 28 carries become efficient pass plays, maybe there's a you version. You have to think AJ Brown and Julio. Yeah. Uptick when yeah. you have the two of the most talented wide receivers in the league too, and you yeah. lose Derrick Henry. Yeah. I mean, there is a version where maybe they become uh, at least comparable offensively to what they were with Derrick Henry. But the thing is just like, we got to see it before we believe it because Derrick Henry was so much of their game plan, so much of their team. It's going to look completely different. If if they're going to succeed, their offense is going to have to look completely different. So if they're not willing to adjust, if they're not willing to make changes schematically, then they're going to struggle because they're not going to get the same production. Adrian Peterson, four-year-old Adrian Peterson and and Jeremy McNichols and and expect even two-thirds of Derrick Henry from, you, you know, what they were getting. I don't think you can expect half. I don't think you can expect right. half. The thing is, though, yeah. also, opposing defenses, you got to think about from their perspective, you know, Derrick Henry was facing the most amount of stacked boxes in the NFL on rush attempts. So, over the last several seasons, few few seasons, and now they could drop a man or two out of, out of the box, become a better secondary, defend the pass better against the Titans. So, that's going to make the idea that maybe the Titans could throw the ball now and just transition seamlessly to that, it's not going to be as easy as you might think because now they don't have to respect the run quite as much with Derrick Henry in the backfield. You know, they have they have Adrian Peterson, who, like you said, is like 40 years old. Jeremy McNichols, who hasn't really ever gotten much ground game. He's more of a pass-catching running back. It's going to be difficult to see, um, you know, how the Titans adjust here um, and seamlessly kind of succeed to the next version of themselves without Henry. So a lot of question marks the ultimately the main reason why we had to drop them in our power rankings. Yep. All right. Anybody else you want to highlight? I I would like to highlight one last uh one last move. Uh the Rams jumped three spots into our number one overall. Um, you know, they still just seem like the most complete team. Seven wins on the season. And when you think about offensively and defensively, running game, passing game, 
you know, it's hard to find a weakness. They're just very consistent and obviously a great head coach. So we ended up dropping down the Cardinals, Kyler Murray kind of injured knee shoulder. Uh, and if he's, if he's injured, that offense takes a big hit as well. Deandre Hopkins and AJ green are, are dealing with injury themselves. So, you know, you're, you're putting a lot of reliance on guys like Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore, Zach Ertz, who just joined the team. Um, so JJ I think Watt that's just got hurt out for the JJ season. Watts out for the season. So the, the, this is why we see the Cardinals drop. I know they played well against the Packers, um, but you know, and, and eventually lost that game, but they're, they're definitely hurting on offense. And then, uh, the bills I also wanted to highlight just because the, we, I was talking about this pre uh, pre-show with you, just the, the strength of their wins isn't quite there. So it's hard to put them over the Rams at this point in the season when their best win is against the Kansas city chiefs. And additionally, they've beaten the dolphins twice, Washington football team once and the Texans once. So, you know, it's not that it's their fault who they played and who they've beaten, but it just doesn't inspire the same level of confidence um, as the Rams jumping into our top spot right now. Yeah. I, I, I agree with your points there. I think that's a good, that's a good those are good notes. Um, we did drop the Cleveland Browns three spots. You know, they lost to Pittsburgh last week. They, the OBJ drama Mayfield's been pretty inadequate. Um, they're getting banged up on the offensive line. The Browns are really good in the trenches on their, on their offensive and defensive line. But with both tackles now injured for the Browns, it's going to set up the opportunity for some edge rush against them. And Baker Mayfield is horrendous against pressure. He's a major drop off in production when, when he gets under pressure. So opposing defenses are definitely going to be prioritizing that. And, you know, if he doesn't have his most talented pass catcher in OBJ the rest of the way, Travis Landry is kind of gimpy. He's had an injury kind of consistently throughout the season. Hasn't been himself. Donovan Peoples-Jones has he, is even uh, questionable to heading into this week. He's been banged up as well. I mean, ultimately, their they're, they're most consistent and um, best pass catcher has been David Joku, the tight end, who... I don't know about that. I mean, how much, how, how reliable can we, can we be on, on Joku the rest of the season? So he's very much in the Evan Ingram category. Yeah. Extremely talented and athletic, but has never really put it together on the field. Yep. Definitely. All right. We also moved the jets up three spots. Mike white, go Mike white, huh? <laughs> Josh Johnson too. looked pretty good filling in for Mike white yeah, last that's game. That's true. That's true. I mean, he put up like 26 fantasy points in three quarters. How nauseating must it be for Jets fans to see, you know, they spend that second round, that second overall pick on Zach Wilson and the, the two backups behind him play better than him in both the last two oh games. My gosh. Oh my Especially gosh. missing the number one wide receiver in Corey Davis too. Yeah. Tough, tough, tough to swallow, tough pill to swallow there for New York. All right, Connor. Let's move on to our waiver wire stashes for fantasy football. We're going to do this quickly and we'll move to our a few of our picks against the spread and DFS. All right, who are some guys you're stashing ahead of the week nine slate of games on the back end of your fantasy benches um, to possibly, you know, get some value the rest of the way this season? Yeah, we're going to reiterate it's handcuffs, handcuffs, handcuffs at this point in the season when looking at our stashes, because these are the guys who are going to see the most opportunity. We're past the trade deadline, so we're not looking at the players that we think are going to jump into a new situation anymore. Now it's all about where is the opportunity exists if an injury occurs, especially as we move deeper into the season, more likelihood for injury as the snap count rises. So, you know, some guys we wanted to highlight were Jared Patterson, uh, a guy you really love. Especially with Antonio Gibson dealing yeah. with and he got, um, stress fracture in his shin, and he, he got, got just some a straight work up, last week. yeah, he just straight up got a decent amount of work last week. Again, like, I think he had 11 carries. So yeah, even with Gibson healthy, I mean, quote unquote healthy playing, right? 
I mean, this could be a situation where Washington football team is out of the running for the playoffs and they say Antonio Gibson's a huge part of our future. He's running on a stress fracture. Let's just put him down for the rest of the season. And I think that's inevitable. Come back healthy next year. I think it's inevitable Um, at this point. He, I'm sorry, he buddy. I know you like maybe Gibson. a 30 or 40. I, I love Gibson and it was the opportunity for touchdowns to work in the passing game. But obviously if he's hobbled and, and dealing with the stretch fracture, it's not going to get worse by playing. It's not going to get better by playing on it. Yeah. And you know, this team is thinking long-term um, you know, they're running a backup quarterback out there every week already. You know, they're, they're not playoff bound. So you might as well sit and heal up your stars. Sadly yeah. um, enough. Yeah. The other guy here I want to highlight, Marlon Mack. We've all, we've been talking about him with the potential that he might get traded. But now you look at the Colts' backfield. Jonathan Taylor has been in, an RB1, the RB1 overall overall over the last couple of weeks. We already saw what happened with Derrick Henry, um, you know, out for the season. With someone that you rely upon so much in your fantasy circles and your fantasy teams, you got to go out there and get the insurance plan in Marlon Mack. Because if if Taylor were to miss a game, at least a game or two, especially if it's right around playoff time, if it's in the playoffs this season, you know it's gonna you're gonna be thankful you have Marlon Mack on the back end of your bench uh, because that handcuff is becoming increasingly more valuable. I know Naheem, Naheem Hines had a great week actually on Thursday night, played really well, um, was I think PFF's highest graded player in the game even. Um, but Marlon Jonathan Taylor, yeah. Wow. So Naheem Hines. Is a, is a good player, but he actually kind of has his own standalone value. It's kind of a different role than Jonathan Taylor. If Taylor were to miss time, you got to think Marlon Mack would see the biggest uptick in value. Um, and so I would go out and try to grab him. Every Jonathan Taylor owner, I think, should try and, try and uh, go out and grab Marlon Mack. Even, try to, even if he's owned by another team, offer something uh, on your bench and see if you can grab him. Uh, see what it takes to get him in a trade because Marlon Mack is, is becoming incredibly valuable for Jonathan Taylor owners right now. Yeah. And along the same vein, you know, Carlos Hyde behind James Robinson, um, Samaj P Ryan behind Joe Mixon guys where it's, it's a clear path. Who's ahead of them where the running back is vitally important to the offense and where, you know, the, the opportunity and uh, I would say ability to actually produce on the field when given those opportunities exist for the backup. So Hyde, we know has had success in the NFL before Samaj P Ryan in the two weeks that mix and miss was 14 and 60 points, 16 points in, in half PPR. So definitely guys who are under 25% owned who should definitely be on rosters because come playoff time, if there's an injury, they're automatically in your starting lineup as like an RB two. Definitely. I mean, especially Hyde. Um, you know, the Jags are second in rush due VOA on the season. They're also their offensive line is fourth in adjusted line yards. If Robinson misses time, Hyde and has an opportunity. Urban Meyer loves him yeah. irrationally. <laughs> He'll have an opportunity to be possibly a, a low end RB one, high end RB two. In in if everything kind of banks well for him, if he stays healthy too, even because he picked up a little bit of an injury last week. I know he's going to this week with with no injury tag, but um, keep an eye on his health too because. If, like I said, if Robinson misses any time, you know, he's going to become incredibly valuable. They also went and picked up uh, Ozigbo, the guy from the, I think, mm-hmm. oh, is, that, is that his name? Ozigbo, I think his name is. The guy, mm-hmm. He was on Good the, Ozigbo. yeah, he was on the, the Jaguars last year. The Saints went and grabbed him and ended up releasing him this season. And now I think he's back in Jacksonville. And if, Hyde, if, if Hyde's injured, if James Robinson misses time, he might end up just being the de facto guy. So at least throw him on your watch list if you're a James Robinson owner. But de- definitely go and grab Carlos Hyde if you own Robinson in, in your fantasy leagues. I think it's a, it's an incredibly valuable handcuff in that situation. But 
yeah. I think that's just consistently been the theme of this segment. You know, you you rely heavily on your top running backs, and if you, if one goes down, you got to have the insurance backup. And um, these guys are becoming incredibly valuable. I mean, look at Khalil Herbert and how he's produced. Look at Daryl Williams. If you were the Clyde yeah. Edwards Hilaire owner, if you have these guys, you just slotted them right in. And it we was like, about, you you know, you talked about 75% of their performance. Yeah. Jarnis Johnson was fantastic. Absolutely. So, so if you, if you properly handcuff your players and you know, it, this doesn't mean you can't go out and trade for them if they're not on your free agency list, you know, yeah. if you can swap handcuffs with another team and they can, they can get their backup, you can get yours. Look for that situation. It's going to be hugely beneficial to you as you look at the end of the season, you start thinking about the playoffs, you know, having a big hole due to an injury on your rosters, it can be a, an absolute killer when it's one week and you're out. So, you know, start getting those handcuffs ready now. Yeah. And, um, we we uh, we talked about you know um, Darrington Evans, the backup for the for the, for Derrick Henry, a number of times on this podcast already earlier in the season. It's unfortunate that he went down with that he got put back on the IR. He's out for the season. Um, we didn't have an opportunity to, to highlight Jeremy McNichols, but we very well would w- would have if we had the, you know the, the knowledge that Evans was out last week and and um, we we before we recorded we just didn't kind of highlight that. But I feel bad because you know our 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 good friend and coworker here at ATA Garrett Garrett Rells had Derrick Henry in our ATA league. He went and picked up Darrington Evans on our advice, and he goes out in the IR and he misses out on Jeremy McNichols. Um, the next week on waivers so tough blow but you if you're following our strategies here on the podcast you know you would have been able ben, to infer who, who did end up with jeremy mcnichols I'm, in our league I, i'm real sorry Garrett. i i had to go and spend the fab you know go figure i got real lucky on that fab claim i put 41 dollars in for him the next team was 40 so i got real lucky with that put the one dollar just enough to get him so that was that was a good mm-hmm. one um I think he's going to be a good fantasy stash the rest of the way. McNichols, by the way, um, I think David spent like ninety on Peterson. Yeah, that's 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 too much for me. I mean, I think the the, the ceiling's just not there for Peterson. He could get volume and he could get work, but he's going to be touchdown dependent week in and week out. So I don't know. I, I think McNichols is the better value from a fantasy perspective. Um, you know, other guys to highlight really quickly here, some wide receivers, Will Fuller, I think, you know, he's probably a week or two still away from coming back off the IR Tua Tagovailoa has a much deeper average depth of target than Jacoby Brissett, who is the backup there. Um, Tua, I think will be able to get Will Fuller more involved when he comes back. Devontae Parker, I think it looks like he's out for the season or close to if Will Fuller comes back healthy um, and ready to stretch the field with the Dolphins, he could be heavily involved in their passing game, passing game. Dolphins throwing the ball at an incredibly high rate this season. So the opportunity will be there for him when he returns. Rashad Bateman, the other wide receiver one to highlight. What, rookie receiver drafted in the first round for the Baltimore Ravens, 25% roster in ESPN leagues. That that percentage is far too low. The guys, the talent's there. Baltimore is going to want to get him involved. He's shaking off a groin injury. He might not be 100% in this game. Could be a good buy low candidate right now because of the fact that I think later in the season, when he gets healthier, when he gets more familiar with the offense, he's going to become a great fantasy receiver down the down you know the last third of the season. I think he's going to be a big a big contributor for Baltimore and their offense and their passing that has continued to improve this season. Yeah, I like that Bateman call a lot. Lamar Jackson's been dropping back a lot more, passing the ball a lot more. It's a lot more success this season. Um, that Ravens offense is a lot of fun. You know, Marquise Brown, Sammy Watkins is coming back. Mark Andrews is obviously a stud. So 
Uh, it's hard for teams to lock down on one player and that's going to give Bateman some opportunities, uh, especially, you know, a guy with first round draft pedigree, he's going to see, I think six targets in back to back games. So I, I like the way he's looking. Yeah. All right. And then kind of in the same vein, Baltimore's defense might be a, de- a defense to go out and check to see if they're available. 52% roster in ESPN leagues. Their next their next four opponents, Miami, Chicago, Cleveland, and Pittsburgh. No offenses that are really going to be giving you a whole lot of scares. Cleveland is a really good running team, but that doesn't necessarily bode um they they that doesn't necessarily bode more towards fantasy value in terms of um, you know, they're not gonna be putting up major points against you from a fantasy perspective. Uh, Baltimore has a, a good schedule up ahead. They're, you know, one of the in fantasy right now, I think they're like twenty second in position rank right now. Um so getting a little bit undervalued. I think their their schedule the rest of the way might bode well for some success. They might be a decent stash. All right. Yeah, it's it's always good to think like two weeks ahead if you can stash the defense yeah. for you know a nice three or four week stretch. So always something to be mindful of yeah. too. And we were on Pittsburgh last week, and Pittsburgh performed well against Cleveland, and now they got Chicago, and um, their next opponent is uh, it's a it's a good it's a good matchup. I can't remember who it was specifically. Um, all right, let's go into our picks against the spread for the week, Connor. We got to highlight. Some of our favorite games this week. Um, let's kick it off with the Minnesota Vikings facing off against the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. The Ravens are laying six points as the favorites in this matchup. 49 and a half is the over under point total in this game. How are you handicapping this one? What are you, what are you looking for in this matchup between the Vikes and the Ravens? It's so hard to bet on Kirk Cousins, especially when it's to, for the team to win the game. The, the Vikings right up there with like the history of the Chargers, seem to figure out ways to just heart-wrenchingly lose games, um, whether it's the kicker or Kirk Cousins throwing an inopportune pick or just being completely inefficient. Um, but I also, they seem to be in every single game this year at the same time that with that being said. So while their record doesn't reflect one of a good team, their largest loss in the seasons by seven points, they could easily have beaten the Arizona Cardinals, which we think is a top three team. Um, so it's, it's hard for me just to count them out at the same time. So while I don't think they win, I do think they keep this close enough. Uh, you know, Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen can easily keep this team in the game just because they're so explosive and efficient, obviously. And then, you know, the, I, if the Vikings do take a lead, I don't think the Ravens are by, by any means out of the game either. So I think whatever happens, this game is going to be close. It's going to be right. Like if, if the Ravens do win, it's going to be close to that minus six. But I, I think I'm going to stick with the Vikings just because they, they seem to lose games, but lose them closely. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it does. It really does. They've been had a number of heartbreaking losses this season. Um, and this game does feel like it could come down to a field goal at the end. Um, ultimately, the spread is something I'm staying away from picking here. But I do lean Ravens if I have to, minus six. Um, you know, I just think Minnesota and, and Mike Zimmer, they're not like they 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 were gaining a reputation with Zimmer as like a a, a a spread darling, a team that consistently covers the spread more often than not. And it's not really been the case this year. They're three and four ATS this year, average margin against the spread, minus one point one points. I think Baltimore bounces back. You know, they're coming off of the bye under John Harbaugh. Off of a bye against the spread, the Ravens are nine and four. 
Um, you know, the Vikings coming off of their late game collapse last week against Dallas, a pretty depressing loss, losing to Cooper Rush, the backup quarterback in Dallas. I think Baltimore, you know, they got they got embarrassed last or two weeks ago against Cincinnati. I think they come back off the bye with a lot of motivation to get a big win against Minnesota. They're also a team, Baltimore, that is not afraid of running up the score. They kind of have gained a reputation over the last few seasons where when they're winning, they want to keep the foot on the gas pedal. They're willing to continue to stretch the field. Also, one thing, one very important thing to note here, the Vikings' best defensive player, Danielle Hunter, out for the season, torn pectoral muscle. They're easily their best edge rusher, the best pass rusher on the season, and he is no longer available for the Vikings. I would look for um, you know, the Vikings to maybe try to compensate by blitzing more often. They're actually like a league average blitz rate team. They might want to increase that, but also when you look at that, if the Vikings blitz more, Lamar Jackson has been awesome running the football when opposing defenses have tried to blitz him and put him under pressure. So if Vikings bring more pass rushers, Lamar Jackson could have an excellent running game, something that we know he's capable of. So I think Baltimore's offense matches up well here. You know, linebacker Eric Kendricks for the Vikings and safety Harrison Smith, aside from, um, you know, Daniel Hunter, who was excellent for them this season. These two guys are their top-rated pa- uh, coverage players, you know, Kendricks and Harrison Smith. So if they have to use their line, their top-rated linebacker and their top-rated safety in more pass-rushing situations and more bliss situations, it might open up the middle of the field more for guys like Mark Andrews, also give Lamar Jackson the ability to run the ball up the middle more often um, than what we've seen over the last few weeks when he's been more, uh, forced to kind of throw the ball from the pocket more often. Also might place more of a burden on Minnesota's mediocre cornerback play. They got Patrick Peterson, Bashad Breland, and Mackenzie Alexander all playing very adequately to the below average on the season. Um, not really anybody that you're scared of throwing the football against. So I just think this matchup, it bodes well for Lamar Jackson. I really like the over on his rushing total, 16 and a half rush yards. He's averaging 68.6 rush yards per game this season. This is an excellent matchup to see Lamar, you know, stretch the field with his legs. You know, Minnesota's defense has struggled against opposing running games. They rank 20th in rush DVOA and their 26th in success rate allowed against the run. This is going to be a tough matchup for them against Baltimore's offense that ranks 7th in rush DVOA, 5th in run success rate, and 6th in explosive run rate. I think Lamar over 16.5 rush yards is almost a lock for me. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense, especially with the running back depth on the Ravens. You know, you kind of have to think that if they're going to have success in the running game, it's good, largely going to be on Lamar's shoulders. It's not going to be on the backs of Lev Bell and Devonta Freeman and Tyson Williams, uh, you know, who are who are all three minorly important on this team in this offense at this point. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, and we'll get to this kind of theme in our DFS. You'll see um, just a foreshadow there. But I think Lamar... It, it, it's it's going to be a great matchup for him, um, especially with the loss of, like I said, Daniel Hunter. I, I, th- I just I just don't see a version of this game going poorly with him, at least running the football. From a fantasy perspective, that's going to be keep his floor very high. I like the over in this game, too, uh, handicapping it there. Um, you know, I, I've had terrible luck picking point totals, so take this with a grain of salt, but I, I feel strongly about this one. All five of the Vikings' last five road games have gone over. Five of the last six games between these two teams specifically have all gone over. Baltimore ranks 24th in defensive DVOA. Minnesota just lost their best player on defense. I think this is a game where possibly both offenses move the ball pretty freely. Uh, and so I could see this game getting, you know, high scoring. Yeah. 
you know, a healthier Dalvin Cook, you, you, you think Justin Jefferson has to get more involved than he was against the Cowboys last week. So I think they make it a point to get the ball in his hands. You don't want that turning into a Stefan Diggs situation where you, you have your best playmaker unhappy on the team. So I definitely think that the Vikings do produce more on offense than, than we saw. And it could definitely hit the over for sure with both of these teams playing, you know, with the, with the amount of offensive talent on both of these teams. Agreed. All right. Let's roll into our next matchup. Cleveland Browns taking on the Cincinnati Bengals. The Bengals are favored by two and a half points at home here. The overrunner point total 47. Question here. Who would have thought the Bengals would have had a brighter future than the Browns heading into this season? I mean, is that not the case? I mean, Joe Burrow versus Baker Mayfield. That's a big difference. Mm-hmm. I think Burrow over Mayfield 100 out of 100 times. I, I Jamar Chase has been an awesome pick. Go figure. Some uh, a pick that was highly scrutinized with a lot of question marks. Come especially preseason with all the negative news about Jamar Chase preseason. You know OBJ, the situation with him. Um, I probably take all three of the Bengals wide receivers over anybody on the Browns wide receiver crew. Yeah, yeah. I mean Chase Higgins, Boyd, Boyd versus Boyd versus Landry is comparable, but I mean but Boyd's the younger player. I'd I'd probably stick with Boyd at that point. Yeah. Good point. Good point. I mean, the the Browns' best players, best skill players, are running backs. And how reliable are running backs? Their 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 lifetime is a short span, typically in the NFL. We've seen Chubb and Hunt both miss time already this season, and so it's one of the positions that sees a lot of contact and and a lot of injury, and and it's going to be tough to rely on the running game if they can't stay healthy. So that's definitely a concern for sure. Yep. Yep. All right. This matchup specifically, it's it's a close one because. I think it comes down to, you know, the Bengals have the better skill positions and they have a better, they have a better team. That's kind of rolling on offense more They're coming off of a bad loss against the jets last week. Got embarrassed. They're going to want to come back in his divisional opponent and, you know, make it, make another statement win the way they did against Baltimore last week or two weeks ago. And the Browns, you know, they had this OBJ debacle. You have to wonder, is there going to be a little bit of a, a Ewing theory, you know, loss of OBJ. We've already seen that example kind of last season where they played kind of better without OBJ. But there's no pressure to get him the ball. And it just seems that Baker is more free just to throw to the open man. And, yeah. you know, it, it does seem to play in his psyche when OBJ is out there for some reason. It's, it was a bizarre situation, but you know, they could put that behind them. Now the Browns do kind of have the edge pretty significantly in the trenches uh, on both offensive and defensive lines. The Browns are first and pass block win rate and first and pass rush win rate. Their adjusted line yards in PF in uh, Football Outsiders rankings are they rank second. They're 11th in PFF's pass block grading. Uh, the Bengals, you know, their offensive line 23rd in pass block win rate, 11th in adjusted line yards in Football Outsiders metric, and 23rd in PFF's pass block grade. So they do have this disadvantage, especially on the offensive line. But the thing is, you know, a good amount of the season for the Browns has been played with a healthier offensive line. They've been getting banged up the last few weeks. We've seen them struggle a little bit more in recent recent uh, situations. And so, especially already highlighted, you know, both tackles for the Browns out in this game. We're going to see a lot of Jedrick Wills Jr. and Blake Hans at the tackle positions. Neither has played very well this year. The Bengals' best pass rusher on their defense is Trey Hendrickson. He's an excellent edge rusher, one of the higher-graded edge rushers on the season this year. We're hop- we, this could be a great matchup for him to get a good amount of pressure on Baker off the edge there, especially with Cleveland's banged up offensive line on the tackle position. So 
that's that's a high, that's a matchup we're going to have to keep an eye on because if Baker is under pressure, he sees a major drop off in efficiency. PFF grades him at 84, 84.6 PFF pass grade when kept clean, drops down all the way to 39.4 when under pressure. A major, major drop off when under duress. You got to keep Baker's feet moving. You got to keep him uncomfortable in the pocket. And that is the way that the Bengals are going to get him to struggle. We'll have to see if that ends up being the case here. You know, the, the Browns still, like I said, they're still ranking first in pass block win rate on the offensive line. So it's a matchup that, you know, on on paper might might seem like it's it's Cleveland's to dominate, but it might not be as simple as you might think. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot will hinge on, you know, Cleveland's ability to get after the quarterback and rush Joe Burrow if they can sack him. Otherwise, you know, this Bengals offense just is pretty incredible. Um, the, the Browns offense is going to have trouble moving the ball with the, the offensive line injuries and the lack of a passing game. It's going to put a lot of pressure on Nick Chubb to be the guy who produces and a little bit on Dearness Johnson, um, you know, and, and Chubb hasn't, hasn't looked the most effective lately. So it's kind of questionable whether he can get this done, but I do lack confidence in a team that can't take care of the Jets and a backup quarterback at the same time. I, I, um, I lean, I, I know I gave you a lot of stuff to be like, you know, be wary of the Browns, but I, I lean the same way with you there. It's like, I still don't trust the Bengals. It's one of those teams where, yeah, they were the new shiny toy, but at underlying, you still have the Bengals. It's still the Bengals, right? I, yeah. You know, and I still, still think the Browns are going to dominate at, at the line. I tried to give you some, some sense that maybe it's not as simple as you might think. It might be a matchup that might, you know, have some variance, but, I mean, the Bengals still rank 28th in pass rush win rate on defense. Their defense is not rushing the passer well. I think they're very middle of the road in uh, pressure percentage. I think they're below average in that on the season. It's 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 going to be tough for them. You know, keep an eye also the Browns. While I, we both lean kind of Browns plus two and a half, you know, they do have some guys banged up through the health status of Javian Clowney, Denzel Ward, Donovan Peoples-Jones, all very critical players to them this week. You know, they enter this week with this matchup with a questionable tag. So we'll have to see if those guys give it a go, if they're healthy in this one, if they're at least, you know, close to 100%. I think the Browns have a, have a good opportunity for a bounce back game here and, and win big against the Bengals. I think that's a very, a very strong possibility. But, you know, the Bengals have been surprising at times this season. So. Yeah, the, the Bengals are a high variance team, so they're one that's tough to predict. I think we're just going to go with the steady floor of the Browns at this point. You know, they're kind of a well-oiled machine. You know what you're going to get, um, and so they're just a little bit more trustworthy for both of us. I think Miles Garrett definitely going to get a lot of pressure against Joe Burrow in that yeah. shaky offensive line of the Bengals. Yeah, uh, he's he's on pace, I think, for 23 sacks this season. So you could easily see a situation where you know Burrow gets knocked out of this game, or or just is terrorized and, and not able to get those deep shots down the field to Jamar Chase where they've been so effective. Well, that's something. Uh, if you that, don't let the plays develop, then... That's something I, I actually kind of like. I, I kind of like Jamar Chase over on his longest reception. Let me give you the stats here. So it's oh, 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 26 and a half is the line there. Longest reception for Jamar. Cleveland's defense has been good this year. I'll give you that. But their secondary is much, much weaker than their run defense, which actually doesn't bode well for the Bengals because the Bengals have a, the 22nd highest rate in passing, but the seventh highest rate in running. So it's actually been a run dependent team. Go figure. Cause it kind of last year, we kind of developed the thinking, thinking that Burrow was, you know, a high volume passer, but it hasn't really been the case this year. So they're relying heavily on the run, the Bengals and you know, the, the, the Cleveland defense ranks third in rush DVOA, but 25th in pass. 
and their 22nd explosive pass rate allowed. If Denzel Ward doesn't play, that's going to be a really big con- contributor to this as well. It makes it even more yeah, enticing. Because, big factor. You know, Jamar Chase has an average depth of target of 15 yards this season. That's a very large average depth of target if, you do, if you're not really familiar with the stats. It's one of the highest in the league, I think. And he's been explosive all season. We've already seen tons of examples of him catching balls of, you know, 40 plus 50 plus yards at times. And I really like the opportunity here for an explosive, another explosive play here for chase. I think the matchup bodes well with Cleveland's defense, giving up a, a good amount of explosive pass plays this year. Um, especially, like I said, if, if wards out, this is almost a lock for me. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and still with that over, you know, he doesn't have to catch it 40 yards down the field at the same time. He can catch a 15 yard pass and run 10 yards and still get there. So you also have that optionality. If the defensive line is causing havoc for Burrow, you can always take a screen pass as Jamar Chase is so electric. He's get the ball in his hands type of player and he's seeing the target share. So they'll have the opportunity for sure. They'll take a couple long shots. Uh, even if, you know, even if uh, Miles Garrett is still getting in Joe Burrow's face. Certainly. All right. But on the game, I think we're both leaning Browns plus two and a half, a tough one, a handicap, really good matchup there though. All right. Yeah. Next matchup, Los Angeles Chargers going into Philadelphia. I really like this game. This is one of my favorite games of the week. These two teams are the closest ranked in DVOA rankings on the season. They're actually, I think, 15th and 16th in DVOA on the year. So they're just one off of each other. And two teams that have been pretty up and down all season long. Really two teams that have been tough to get a handle on because we've seen the Chargers look like the best team in football at at moments. And then we we saw them lose to the laying egg against the Patriots and the Ravens the last two weeks or the last two games. They had a buy sandwich in, in there. So I... I think that, you know, this is going to be a closer match than people might think. I know a lot of people are picking the Chargers. I think the public's on, over on the Chargers, like over 50%, over, I mean, like over 70% or so. So what, are, what is your, you know, I don't I don't know which way you lean. I think you lean Chargers, but if you had to make an argument for the Eagles, what are your thoughts here? How are they going to win this football game? Well, let's just think about last week. I mean, we kind of got cute and picked the Lions to finally upset uh, the Eagles we got to and get their first win. I mean, holy crap, the Eagles beat the brakes off of them. Yeah. That was nuts. Their defense shut the shut down the Lions completely, which, you know, isn't something crazy, but to come away with a victory of what, what was it, like 44 points or something they won by? Yeah. And, you know, the Eagles, they they fully committed to the run game. Boston Scott looked really good. They were using Jordan Howard, which was a complete surprise and negated my Kenneth Gainwell DFS pick. Um, but that's fine. Whatever. Not salty. Uh, and Jalen Hurts, he's, if he's not turning the ball over, if, if he, if they're using play action pass to scheme open some easy passes for him and get him moving and get him out of the pocket, this Eagles offense can be tough to stop. Um, so I think it's, a, it's just figuring out what their recipe is when they drop back Jalen Hurts in the pocket and he tries to throw the ball 40 times, he might end up with 300 yards, but it's very inefficient. If they run the ball first and commit to the running game, which we were crying for all season with Miles Sanders, um, unfortunately he's on the IR and they decide to commit to it right after. Um, But then this team is a lot safer. They're not going to turn the ball over. They're going to, you know, they're putting less pressure on their defense because they're not going four and outs and getting down to big, uh, you know, big deficits early as well. So I think that's the recipe for success. And I think that plays perfectly into what the chargers do. Their defense is not great against the run. They're very good against the pass. So I think that if the Eagles do commit to the running game, that's how they can beat the chargers here. Yep. 
I like the handicap and, and you look at the stats from the last game. It's, it's, it's funny because you mentioned the thing about Miles Sanders, you know, they've ranked really high in rush TV way on the season, their offense, but they were 32nd in rush rate. They were the, the mm-hmm. lowest rated team in rushing, but they were fourth in rush TV away. And it took their best running back to get injured for them to embrace their biggest strength. Like, what are they doing there? But, you know, the last game... is averaging like five or six yards per carry, too. Yeah. It was like, I'm watching his games. He'd have six carries for 60 yards. And he'd be like, why give him the freaking ball more, yeah. please, you know? And, and then, like, the, 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 what do you call it? These, um, the sarcastic cheer from the fans when Sanders finally mm-hmm. got the, the run in, in week seven. Like his second carry in the, in the third quarter. Or, yeah. It was a, it, it was a perplexing situation. But last week against Detroit, they finally embraced the run with Boston Scott and Jordan Howard leading the, the rush attack. Philadelphia had 101 rush yards when Jalen Hurts was under center. It was by far their most of the season. In their first seven games combined with Jalen Hurts under center, they had just 76 rushing yards. So they had o- almost 30 rushing yards more than their last seven games with Jalen Hurts under center. And, you know, the lines are hardly a good defense to benchmark, you know, an offense's strength like this. But, you know, the defense, I mean, the Eagles did seem to find, like you said, a, a decent formula for success last week against Detroit using the running game, pound, ground and pound, and the play action game. Hertz was five of six last week in play action, 68 yards, had 11.3 yard per attempt, 113.9 pass rating in play action last week. A decent formula Very effective for success. targeting Dallas Goddard too. Yeah. When those that the tight end is where those easy passes come. You know, if you think about the safety blankets of these teams, the most successful teams, the Travis Kelseys, Dallas Goddard's a really good tight end. Yeah. And so if you get if you if the other team thinks he's blocking, you know, and then you play action and you just roll him out with Jalen Hurts, it's an easy pitch and catch. It's yeah. very you make it easy for Hurts, who we have to remember is still hasn't played a full season under his belt. Yeah. You know, I think we're we're all so ready to rush to judgment. This guy's still developing and learning as a passer. Yeah. I I look this I think this is a really close game in terms of you know if the Eagles continue that formula it it kind of matches up well against the Chargers because their defense's calling card this year has been their discrepancy between the pass DVOA I mean the pass defense that ranks 4th in DVOA and the rush defense that ranks 32nd so there's a been a big difference in their ability to defend the fe- defend the pass versus the rush and if, if the Eagles continue to embrace their success on the ground, it could end up spelling trouble for the for the Chargers. But you look at, you know, the game last week against Detroit, you have to wonder how much do you take away from Detroit? Because obviously every team is kind of getting a big, well, not every team, but a lot of teams are dominating Detroit early. You get a big, you know, was that rushing game more, that rushing scheme more of, you know, game, game script dependent? They got a big, they wanted to milk the clock, run the football, or is that something they're, they're going to embrace going forward? I don't, I don't know. And, and you know, I, I in this matchup, I kind of lean more towards a talented team because the Eagles have struggled mightily against quarterbacks that are well above average like Herbert. And, you know, we saw, you know, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott all pretty much dominate the Eagles on their, in their, in their defense this year. So I think, you know, Herbert could, you know, give them a lot of trouble. I've also I've had terrible luck picking sides in games with the Eagles this year. I've, I've made them my best bet a couple times. I picked the Detroit Lions last week against them. I just can't seem to get these games right with the Eagles. But I, I do lean Chargers. That that being said, I do lean Chargers. I have a hard time believing Jordan Howard and Boston Scott are going to lead them to the promised land. I just I don't see a way where they do- continue to dominate on the ground the way they did against Detroit last week. Also, one thing to note. I- Austin Eckler in this game. Austin Eckler, I think he's going to be a big, big X factor for them because the, in the passing game, Austin Eckler 
um, is going to give the Eagles a lot of a lot of trouble. The Eagles mm-hmm. ranked 12th against the pass, but they've allowed the sixth most fa- uh, receiving yards to running backs this year. You know, 15% of the team targets for the Chargers have gone to Eckler this season. He's averaging over his last six games, 50 yards receiving. I really like the over on Austin Eckler's receiving yardage total, which is 40 and a half. I think what's important to remember too with this game is that like, even if the Eagles do have some early success running the ball, the Chargers are by no means out of the game. We yes. have such a good pass catching back and Austin Eckler, you have Mike Williams. So they're very, uh, exp- and obviously keep now they're very explosive on offense and they can come back from an early deficit. I think if the roles are reversed, you definitely don't want to be on the other side where the Eagles are down early because I think they're going to have a really tough time clawing back. That's not where the strength of their offense is. Um, And so I think game script wise, you're still in it. If you take the chargers and the chargers get down early or if the chargers take a lead, but you're absolutely out of it. If you take the Eagles and the Eagles get down early and that's not a situation as a better where I want to be uh, down 14 and hoping Jalen hurts and that passing offense can bring me back. Yeah, I agree. All right, Connor, we're both Chargers minus one and a half, I think, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. All right, let's roll into our DFS segment. Let's, uh, we're running a little bit long on the pod now, so we want to wrap it up quickly. Connor, can you tell us who are you going with in your DFS lamps after the, could you have any results from the last week's uh, slate of games from our DFS game? Yeah, lamps? so like I mentioned earlier on in the show, both of us cashed. It was a nice comeback week for us in DFS, really on, on the backs of both of our rosters had Michael Pittman, who absolutely went off and looks like a wide receiver one this year, um, and Jonathan Taylor. So I think both of those guys season long have a lot of opportunity. They crushed once again on the Thursday night game. So if you had them in, in like a skinny stack and or a, a big stack, I should say, in a single game showdown, you know, you, you would have cashed it again. So great success for us there. Uh, and then I think we're, you know, obviously trying to keep that keep the heat rolling uh, we'll update with the season long stats in, in the dfs article we post those on the dfs lineup so yeah uh, we'll get that updated with our percentage hits but i love my great success I, for say, us. I i i found a lot of good values in my land this week i like the slate this week so there was a lot of optionality i actually ended up making like six were. lineups and, and having a, a difficult time but a couple of mine had lamar jackson uh, so i see you take took him as your quarterback so i decided to to give a different uh lineup just so our uh, listeners have uh, some yeah. optionality there yeah all right guess give us who you got for week week nine All right, so I'll kick it off. Patrick Mahomes is my quarterback. I'm going back to the well here with Patty Mahomes. I think that, you know, the Chiefs shouldn't be a team that are completely written off. Uh, He's only 7,800, so a guy we we thought was the number one quarterback heading into fantasy uh, at a discount at this point in the season. Um, My running back one, I'm going with Aaron Jones. Knowing that Aaron Rodgers is out, I think that the Packers rely heavily on Jones. I know A.J. Dillon's getting some more work, but the valuable passing game work is still all going to Aaron Jones. In a game where the Green Bay Packers could be down, I think Jones is the guy you want to have in your lineup. He's 7,200. And then I'm going with Ezekiel Elliott. So I'm going with a pair of RB1s. I absolutely love the way the top of my roster came out. So Ezekiel Elliott's only 7,000. He's averaging 19 points a game. He's an absolute stud. The Pollard news is kind of uh, at the back of the desk right now instead of uh, front in the front. Um, he, he hasn't been nearly as effective. It's really been uh, committing to Zeke in the running game. Uh, then I have my Tyree 
Tyreek Hill. So stacking that with Patrick Mahomes, some correlation there. Tyreek Hill just absolutely demolished my fantasy team last week. I was in a close matchup. I had Travis Kelsey left. The other person had Hill and geez, I, I really wish I was on the Hill side there. Uh, so I'm putting him in my lineup this week. So I'm not screwed by him again. Tyreek Hill is just so electric. Then I'm going with Hollywood Brown. You know, we were talking about that Ravens passing game. Lamar Jackson's on fire right now. He's only 6,000. I think that's a huge value at his price. Um, my wide receiver three is T Higgins. T Higgins is seeing a huge target share around 25% in the games where he's healthy and on the field. Uh, so definitely love T Higgins at 5,300. My tight end is Albert. O. he's only 2,600. He's kind of a punt play, but no fan is uh, looking like he's going to be out for this one. So a guy who could see three to five targets, at I like least, that one. maybe get, get some few catches for only 2,600. I like that one. Give me some more optionality. Uh, and then in the flex, I'm going with the double stack, me, bringing it back again with Nicole Hardman. Uh, so the Tyreek and Nicole combined with Patty Mahomes. If this is the Kansas City Chiefs breakout week and they really want to say like, hey, we're back, we're alive, uh, my team's going to go off, so I'm running with it. And then I'm going with the Chiefs defense. Yes, this is an all-red lineup, all right? <laughs> <laughs> Green Bay's uh, starting Jordan Love. It's his first start of his career. So while the Chiefs are not a great defense, I think this is still uh, a great value at 2300 i like it i like it connor we um we have some similarities in our evaluations once again but i'll i'll uh, roll right into mine i'm gonna go with lamar jackson for all the same reasons i was talking about earlier against the minnesota vikings seventy three hundred dollars i think lamar has a big running game as well as you know i think if like i said if they have to use eric hendricks and um harrison to you know be used in more blitz packages i think that's going to open up the the, the the middle of the field a little bit more for Lamar to pass the ball to guys like Mark Andrews who you know foreshadow I have him in my tight end spot in my RB1 spot I'm gonna go with Ezekiel Elliott 7,000 for all the same reasons you're talking about but I gotta tell you I listened to um, a really good tip this week and it made a lot of sense and I was like I really like the DFS the DFS analysis and I, and I wanted to share it here on the pod you know, a strong correlation in DFS games um, goes between a high uh, with, a, you know, in games with a high point total, you know, you got a high spread that and there's um, also kind of a, a big spread, you know, between the two teams. There's a high correlation between the running back of the favored team and the number one wide receiver of the underdog. And so while we like to talk about stacks with quarterbacks, receivers, etc., there's actually one of the highest correlations in DFS performance between opposing players. So you talk about the running back for the favorite team and their number one wide receiver of the underdog. And that makes a lot of sense. You think, you know, the team that's going to win by a lot, you know, they're going to run the football, they're going to use the running back a lot. And then the wide receiver for the other team, they're down by a lot of points. They're going to be throwing the ball a lot. He's going to be heavily involved in the in the in the offensive scheme for the for the underdog. So I thought that made a lot of sense. It kind of rolled with that theme here. Went with Lamar, who was the best running the best runner on Baltimore. I stacked him with um, you know the best receiver for Minnesota. I got Justin Jefferson and wide receiver one spot, and Lamar's top target for a traditional stack as well. I got Mark Andrews. I have no Daniel Hunter, no Daniel Hunter for Lamar against Lamar um, for Minnesota. If they blitz him, I think Lamar, you know, is is he, if they try to make Lamar more uncomfortable, he's going to be an excellent, uh, you know, runner with with his legs. And so I like that one. I like Elliott in the in Dallas, who is Dallas is favored by a lot of points. They're going to be using the running game a lot. Denver has allowed the 
Um, they've been, they've allowed some of the most fancy points over the last four weeks to opposing running backs. Um, you know, they, they over the last over the first three weeks they were really good against the run, and then over the last four, you know, they've um, allowed the third most fancy points to opposing running backs. And you know, they just traded away Von Miller. I like that matchup a lot. Um, I know I threw a lot at you, so let me, let me start. Lamar Jackson, quarterback, Ezekiel Elliott, running back, Nick Chubb, my RB two spot. Nick Chubb facing the Cincinnati Bengals. Um, Nick Chubb, you know, Cincinnati has given up the fifth most fancy points to opposing running backs over the last four weeks. Cincinnati's defense is starting to kind of fall off a little bit here. I like, I like Chubb's involvement, especially no Kareem Hunt. Baker Mayfield's going to probably have to do a decent amount of dink and dunk. I think he's going to be heavily involved in the passing game. And then I foreshadowed, I got Justin Jefferson in my wide receiver one spot, $7,500. Like I said, stacking the number one rusher with Baltimore with the number one receiver of Minnesota. I like Jefferson, you know, if, if Minnesota falls down to, to Baltimore, if they fall behind big, I like Jefferson to be heavily involved in what Minnesota tries to do on the offensive side. He's also just an excellent beast of a receiver. So I really like Jefferson regardless, really, almost, yeah. almost any matchup he's in. He's an excellent receiver to have in DFS almost every week. Also, you know, I went, I went with the same guy you had, T. Higgins, wide receiver two for me, um, $5,300. Really like the matchup here. He's been getting an increased amount of target share in Cincinnati's offense over the last few weeks. I think we finally start to see Higgins break out very sooner, um, if not this week, next week, very soon. I think Higgins is going to have a big game. It's been just too much focus on Jamar Chase. I think defenses will start to probably adapt to that. Try to you know pin Chase down a little bit more, give Higgins the opportunity to beat them, and I think Higgins is more than capable of that. He is my wide receiver two in my DFS lineup this week. Wide receiver three, I'm going with Brian Edwards. Brian Edwards, you know the news with Henry Ruggs, he's probably going to be one of their top receivers now. But we already saw with Ruggs last week, he had a 97% route run. Uh, um, he ran routes on 97% of their snaps last week for the Raiders, so he was already heavily involved in their passing game. And now we see, you know, the drop, uh, you know, we, we could cross off their number one passing option, pass catching option for the Raiders. I think Edwards could be in store for a bigger target share, only $4,100 facing, you know, a, a Giants defense that doesn't really scare you much. Um, I like the Raiders to continue to throw the football well here in this matchup. I think the public's just kind of down on them because of the fact of the rugs news, the Gruden news all kind of combine into some things that are concerning off the field, but on the field, this offense is still going to tick. Um, they're going to be trying to set a field and Edwards is their next guy, next man up to fill that void for Henry Ruggs. You know, Ruggs was the deep ball threat for the Raiders. I think Edwards might be the guy that fills that, that void for them. My tight end, Mark Andrews, $5,500, stacking him with Lamar Jackson. Like I said, I think Andrews will have a field day with, um, you know, Kendricks and Harrison, you know, blitzing more for the Vikings. I think um, Andrews will end up having a good game here for Baltimore. I like that stack with Lamar. In my flex, I'm going with Brandon Ayuk. Ayuk's been incredibly disappointing on the season. But the fact is that, you know, last week we saw him get a major uptick in target share, pass routes. He's becoming the wide receiver two that we expected. I'm buying low on him before we see a boom, I think. And you're going to finish the season strong is my best, is is my guess here. Um, and uh, Debo's a little bit dinged up too. Yes, good point. Uh, Debo Debo's dang, banged up. Ayuk, you know, go figure a stat that doesn't really bode well for fantasy. I saw, you, did you see him blocking last week? He looked excellent. He ran across the field. He had this block that was all over Instagram with the with the viral block. He basically just pancaked this guy 
He ran across the field, pancaked this guy, opened up a major running lane for Elijah Mitchell. It was it was an mm-hmm. awesome block for a receiver. And that kind of is like the thing you want to see with Ayuk because he's been – Coaches love to exactly. see that. Exactly. Shanahan's been bad-mouthing him, talking about how he needs to get better. Yes. And things like that are really good for morale, good for you know him to feel good, but also his coach to be more confident about putting him out there. And I think right. Ayuk's going to start to trend in the opposite direction than he was earlier this season. He's only $4,100, someone who has a lot of talent talent and uh, could be starting to see more target share and involvement in their offensive scheme. I like that one. My defense, I'm going with Nikki. Going with the Houston Texans facing the Miami Dolphins. Texans aren't necessarily a defense you really uh, want to focus on in DFS, but the fact is Miami is one of the worst offenses in the NFL. I think they're 25th in DVOA in offense. Texans also getting um, on the offensive side, they're getting uh, Tyrod Taylor back, who I think is gonna is gonna make their team more competitive. So if they have if they have the football more. If they're playing better on offense, it might end up kind of transitioning to more effectiveness for their defense, at least keeping them off the field more. So I like I like the Texans' defense as a decent value for DFS, $2,400 there. I like it. All right, Connor. Some values I wanted to highlight very quickly. I like, I, you know, I kind of wanted to consider throwing Jordan Love in my DFS. If, if you're in tournament play, you want to take a long shot on a guy. I, I, don't, hate the, I don't hate the play. He's only $4,400. Save some money. Stack the rest of your lineup. You save money on quarterback. You know, the Chiefs have given up the sixth most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks over the last four weeks. It's a good matchup for him. He still has all the pass catching options for Green Bay. He gets Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Devontae Adams. I think Lazard is back. So he gets all of his guys that Roger loves. You know, the, the options are going to be there. They had a week to prepare with him at quarterback. He actually looked decent in the preseason this year. He actually is a decent running quarterback. So, I don't. I don't hate the play here. I think Love could be a decent bargain value here. Forty four hundred. So he's so cheap. He's so cheap. Yeah. Forty four hundred just allows you to do so much with your roster. Completely. <laughs> Other guy I really like in terms of value, Tim Patrick, forty seven hundred dollars. I, I ultimately I like all of Denver's receivers this week because of the fact I talked about with uh you know wide receivers on heavily underdog teams like the Denver Broncos are this week nine and a half under nine and a half point underdogs. Despite Judy's return last week specifically, though, we saw Patrick run routes on 97% of Denver's snaps. That was the most on the team. So we were worried about Patrick falling off in terms of involvement with Judy's return. wasn't necessarily the case. Dallas is the heavy favorite. If Denver falls behind, I like the values of all wide receivers in this in this matchup, but um, especially if they become a pass-heavy offense with Bridgewater at quarterback. Judy ran the most routes from most of his routes last week from the slot position and allowed Patrick to stay outside. I think he's going to be more of the guy that stretches the field for them. As Judy gets healthier, he may end up playing more um, in the 12 personnel sets that Denver likes. Um, but Patrick is still looking like they, they, they want to use him in the offense. Judy's going to get slowly kind of brought back and in, in brought into his full workload that we're used to. I think Patrick stays heavily involved this week. And the value of $4,700, I think, is one of my favorite wide receiver values, too. Yeah, I like it. All right. Anybody, anybody else you want to highlight quickly? Yeah, uh, at the quarterback position, I think Tua could be a value play. He's 5,800. He's coming off of three games where he went 25, 29, and 16. Um, so for that low of a cost, there's definitely a decent chance he could go off against the Houston Texans, who are you know one of the worst teams in the league for sure. Um, at tight end, uh, Dallas Goddard's interesting as well. He's 4,500. Um, but he's seeing a, a larger target share as part of that Philly offense. Um, 13 points last game, 12 points 
uh, with the week before that, his price has actually come down week over week, surprisingly. So I think he's a good value. Um, one that should definitely be in your lineup. Uh, and then Tyler Conklin at tight end as well, um, is a decent value. He's only 3000, uh, averaging nine fantasy points per game. He had five for 57 last week, three for 71 the week before. If he gets in the end zone with those yardage totals, that certainly could help you pay off and, uh, have a great week there. All right. I like it, Connor. I gotta get I gotta get going really quickly. So let's wrap this up. I, I got my little niece her soccer games coming up for this morning. So we're trying to make that. Let's get going. Uh, list us off very quickly who you're you're playing your defense lineup this week. Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott, Tyreek Hill, Marquise Brown, T. Higgins, Albert O, Nicole Hardman, and the Chiefs defense. Good lineup, Connor. I like it. All right, I'm going with Lamar Jackson, Ezekiel Elliott, Nick Chubb, Justin Jefferson, T. Higgins, Brian Edwards, Mark Andrews, Brandon Ayuk, and the Houston Texans defense. Connor, I think we're going to have some good luck in our DFS this week. We're going to try to bounce back from a disappointing week from our picks against the spread last week. I, I, I think I think we're set for success here in week nine, buddy. I hope your uh, your niece has as good success in her soccer game as our DFS lineups did last week, and we'll uh, yeah. this week again. All right, buddy. <laughs> Any last words here? Want to give uh, our listeners the plug for ATA? Yeah, allthingsanalysis.com. If you want to hear some more deep dives, like uh, the Arizona Cardinals wide receivers being good plays this week, make sure to check out our article. Uh, ben is always coming out with his best bets this week. He's going to hit and knock it out of the park. I know you might have a busy day, so I, I don't got, want to commit you to putting I that got article creative. out. But. I got creative with some of my bets this week. We'll, we'll see it on the article. I'm going to okay. get that out awesome. later today. So yeah, that, that's coming too. So make sure you stay tuned. We'll post about it on social when it comes out. Uh, so Saturday evening, Sunday morning, um, you know, we, we like to post them late because there's always late scratches so it's important to be uh you know the ability to change your opinion Stay last flexible. minute and, and be flexible absolutely when you're making your bets or setting your dfs lineup um so make sure to stay tuned to our social media and our website well said connor all right don't forget to subscribe rate and review vicious talk with benny p on all your podcast platforms we really appreciate the uh, the support here on the pod and at all things analysis. Connor and I have been doing a great job with a good amount of our handicapping with with fantasy football and gambling alike. We're going to continue to keep it going here. Let's roll into some good luck here for Week Nine, Connor. I really like our our analysis, and I think we're gonna we're gonna bode well. We did the legwork. Now that's banking and uh, bank on some success here. All right, Connor. That's going to do it. Episode 90 in the books. We're getting close to that 100 mark. We're, we're, we'll get there. Ooh, we'll get there this season, buddy. All right. Episode 90, Vicious Talk with Benny P. Don't forget to ask yourself at the end of the day, are you vicious? <laughs>